This podcast is supported by listeners like you. We're grateful for your tax-deductible donation at newthoughtphilly.org or the link in the episode description. A practical prayer is a prayer that works. These discussions between Reverend Bill Marcioni and Carol Lawrence dive into the details of how it works and how to work it. Reverend Bill is a New Thought minister and the author of Practical Prayer for Real Results. Your new life begins with a new thought. Carol Lawrence is on a spiritual quest, finding the New Thought teaching after decades on the pulpit in three different traditional denominations. I've got some questions. Together, they're exploring the philosophy and activities that come together from many of the world's religions to create the practical spirituality that is New Thought. Welcome to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol, here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni, and we're going to talk. And we're going to talk. You piqued my interest. We're going to talk about the difference between spirituality and religion. And there was something that teed you up. It's the abbreviation SBNR. Yeah, I I keep hearing that. When I first sort of made the leap from religion to spirituality, I realized that it was a leap now, don't don't get me wrong. It wasn't as big as it did for some, but it was a big enough leap. But I hear that question a lot, and I'm thinking, it's not that big of a, like, why don't you understand this? (laughs) (laughs) But I hear it a lot, and I think it's worth talking about. Okay. And you think that it should be obvious? So, so your question, why don't people, why doesn't everybody understand it's obvious? I want to say yes, but I'm thinking no, not at the same time, because I find I'm fluent in scripture. I ought to be as as long as I was there. I know religion. So you know religion. But I also always felt like I was reading between the lines or pulling back layers of the onion. And that's where spirituality is. So often when people think about the difference between spirituality and religion, they think, well, you got the Bible over here and spirituality over there. And you can look at it like that. You can. There are other sacred Mm -hmm. texts that you can, you know, separate the same way. But Ernest Holmes found a thread through everything. And once I found that thread and I got familiar with it and as fluent in my understanding, I believe at this point of it, as I almost am of the scriptures, I can see a blend. You know, I can see, I did a series on tracking the law of attraction through the Bible. And I just woke up one morning and said, oh, that's what I'm going to do. And I did it and I'm thinking, well, what's the big deal here? You know, just like don't take everything at face value. Ask some questions, pull back the layers of the onion and It's all right there. Uh, Yeah. Yep. Oh, and there is definitely spirituality in religion. I have long contended that everything that's in the Bible is either historical, metaphorical, or metaphysical. And some things cover multiple topics because there's some stuff that's really rich and very well written. And you're much more familiar with it than I am. The problem in the Bible is that the parts aren't labeled. You know, they walked from Galilee to Jerusalem. You can look on a map and say, okay, that's historical, and they were walking there. 
But there's also the metaphysical transformation that happens as somebody goes from their childhood existence into their adult, mature, spiritual existence that could be a metaphor of the same travel. But it doesn't say. So you can have two people who are reading that differently and have an argument about what it means. It's, no, they were just walking. It should have taken about two days. <laughs> you know, and the stuff that's metaphorical is when Jesus was talking, you know, they said, why do you speak in parables? He says, because they don't get it. They don't understand me if I just tell them. So I tell them stories and then the stories will be illustrating what I'm talking about. And that's metaphorical. And sometimes there's a deep spiritual meaning going on behind the words, which is that whole metaphysical uh, law of attraction, which is also in there. And if you know where to look, there's a lot of all three in the Bible. And the entertaining part, I'm going to say it's entertaining rather than tragic. The entertaining part is when people hold up the book and say, this is all historical. It's like, no, it's not. <laughs> I mean, if, if that's okay with you, you know, and that works for you, that's fine. I never tell anybody either one way or the other. I think you can look at scripture metaphysically from Genesis to Revelations. You can lay that frame on top, that lens on top of it. And that way, just like people look at it, the whole Bible historically, they could do that. You could do that with the whole Bible. I don't see parts here, parts there. I think it's how you, first of all, you want to see it. You know, you have a an, what I call an end game in mind. So if your end game means that you look at it historically, because historically everything has to come out a certain way, which agrees with what you think it should, then that's the only way you're going to want to see it. For me, I believe that the spirit is alive and ever-changing, you know, dynamic. So therefore, I couldn't look at it historically because it could be saying this to me today and this to me another day, depending on where I am. I don't think God is just like standing over in a corner. And unless you are on one page seeing one thing, you're incorrect. Life is dynamic. And I think spirit that the scripture has to speak to the dynamics of life at every point, which means you have to be open and flexible to receive that. And so that's why I, I'm wondering when people say I'm religious and not spiritual. Well, yeah, you could look at it like that. But sometimes when people are super religious, I'm thinking like, yeah, so how's that working out for you? You know, I don't mean any disrespect, <laughs> but come on. How's think, that working out for you? It's okay. To... Yeah. For me, and this is my vast oversimplification of the difference between spiritual and religious. In religion, we have framework and rules and structure and hierarchy. And there is somebody who is telling us how to be religious. So if you go to the church or the mosque or the synagogue on this particular schedule and you behave according to this way, then you are following our religious tradition, whether it's Christian or Jewish or whatever one it is. So there's somebody who's going to tell you what it is to be a good fill-in-the-blank religious person. And that's fine because you don't have to – there's no subtlety there. There's somebody else who's telling you what's going on. They're telling you that God says that you're forgiven. And the person who is following that religious path is off the hook. They don't have to think about anything else. 
Spirituality, on the other hand, is listening to that still small voice within, that divine presence, that infinite intelligence, and getting the guidance and the insight as to what is right for me now. And what's right changes from time to time based on circumstances and situations. You know, it says right there in, in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill. But then again, when we go to war and somebody attacks us, then killing suddenly becomes okay. And in fact, there's a whole bunch of stories in the Bible about people who are killing each other and the good guys were doing some of the killing. So when did that become okay? <laughs> you know, why did that change? And that's where spirituality comes in because is it okay? Is it not okay? Does it change in the context? Does it change based on who I am and what I'm doing in that particular circumstance? Spirituality is much more of a solo endeavor. And we can be religious and be involved in a religious group and be in a spiritual practice as well and share our spirituality with the people who we share our religion with and reinforce and uplift and be together with them, you know, to pray together and to follow the holidays together and to meditate together. And that can be really rich. One of my, <laughs> I love being metaphorical. One of my metaphors is the difference between spirituality and religion is Arthur Murray dance lessons. In Arthur Murray dance lessons, they take the numbered footprints and they put them on the floor and they put them out in this particular pattern. And there's the pink ones and the blue ones. And they say, okay, on one, you step here on two, you step there. And as you go through, you're doing a waltz or you're doing a cha-cha or whatever the moves happen to be, because that's how you dance together. And people can learn how to dance that way. And that's fine. That's like religion. We're going to put the footprints down on the floor, you follow these footprints, and you are going to be a good Arthur Murray religion person. <laughs> on the other hand, it's possible to turn on the music and say, feel the groove. Okay, feel the groove and start moving to it. And then look at your partner and start moving together with your partner. And you can dance that way, just feeling the music, feeling that connection. To me, that's spirituality. And the saddest thing that happens is when you get somebody who is trained in one technique and they're trying to move into the other one, they say, hey, can you turn the music off? I'm trying to count. <laughs> They've missed yeah, the point. Yeah. It's still, a, to me, a fine line because religion is like what you do religiously, you know, and that can certainly be found in spirituality because the one thing, you know, when I retired as a pastor in the traditional Christian church, I felt like, obviously, I'm just not like ready to, you know, sit on the porch. So I thought, okay, so this has my, been my life, <laughs> all my life. So how do I transfer this over? Well, the obvious, the obvious transfer would be to start a spiritual center. Center for Spiritual Living. So I looked that up and I looked in, you know, to a lot of different things. I said, I could do this. It's no big deal. And this time, you know, I do it the way I want to do it. But the one thing I do know about organizational development, which I got back from my corporate years, that once an organization, there has to be some rules. And once an organization becomes larger mm -hmm. as it grows, then more and more of those things are in place or have to be put in place. And the next thing you know, you got religious. You know, you got I followed that. I really did because I could see easily how to do it. But I said, I'm going to end up in the same place 
because of just human nature and how people work in groups. And I said, that's not what I'm after. So that's the reason that I stopped because I thought you could have a nice spiritual center that's going to end up being religious. <laughs> then you found new thought and you realized how resistant people are to being herded. The people who are following this teaching. It depends on what new like thought cats. denomination, which is, I guess I should, there's another word for it, but it depends because I watched a lot of them online, you know, before, I mean, a lot. I know these folks by name. They don't know me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I saw some that looked exactly like church. The only difference was, you know, there was the Quran, the Bible, and other books on the table, candles instead of a cross. It's beyond what you see. It's what is. And to make sure that that's different, you know, for me, I had to reject all of those things that might cause you to a person who's making the leap to find their comfort zone in this little piece of new thought and miss out on everything else. So, you know, when I looked at scripture, the interpretation of scripture through the lens of new thought allows so much freedom and so much joy, you know, so if you want to look at it historically, well, you know, sit on the bench. That's pretty much your life. But to know God in a bigger way, you could do that through the Bible. You know, I'm an advocate of an avid reader and I love Ernest Holmes and everything that he's written and Florence Govel Shannon, everybody. And even, you know, I hang out at a, with some Buddhists once a week. So it's all there. You know, it doesn't need a label. I think that's what I'm rejecting. You don't need the label. You just need, yeah, you need to have an open mind so that you can free yourself and be available to what spiritually is. And I'm trying to be careful now with the language I'm using here. But yeah, so you can be receptive to what comes to you. Yep. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about yoga class. Learn to put practical prayer to work in your life. The steps are simple to learn and let you begin to get real results to create the life of your dreams immediately. Reverend Bill Marcioni's widely acclaimed book, Practical Prayer for Real Results, gives you a clear summary of the new thought principles behind practical prayer and the series of easy-to-understand steps found in the most effective prayers from religions and spiritual practices all over the world and throughout history. Practical prayer is not a replacement for your religion or practice. It's a technique to make the work you do in consciousness even more effective. The book includes 40 prayers on various topics that you can adapt as needed and use as your own. Practical Prayer for Real Results is available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook on Amazon or at b-the-light.com. Dot com. That's b-the-light.com. Welcome back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol, here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni. And I said we're going to talk about yoga class. 
because yoga is one of those things that is spiritual but not religious, even with people who like to do yoga religiously. I used to go to the yoga studio that was at the YMCA, and there was a kerfuffle amongst several YMCAs that we can't teach a yoga class because that's somebody else's religion, and that's not Christian. And in fact, I think the state of Alabama had banned yoga classes from physical education in the public schools until just a couple of years ago. And they finally made it be allowable, but the rule was that they're not allowed to, to end by saying namaste because <laughs> that's too Hindu. <laughs> you can't speak in Sanskrit. And the purpose of yoga, it's not a workout. It is actually a way of preparing the body to meditate. It's about being able to concentrate on the yogi's breath. That's what the practice is about. It is inherently not religious. It is not particularly spiritual, although it is a wonderful practice to get into to connect with our spiritual nature. So you can find a lot of people who are going to yoga classes to get a good workout because it's wonderful exercise. And that's great for them. And they missed the point. <laughs> It is another way of addressing the fact that we are spiritual beings having a physical experience, and it lets us address the physicality so that we can then become spiritual as we are. Religions are doing the same sort of thing, but they're approaching it differently. Like, oh, if you behave this way or you follow these things or you, these are the rules and the holidays and the sacraments or these are the gods that you pray to, then everything will be okay. And they all started with some avatar who reached an enlightened state and the people around him said, hey, that guy's cool. He reached an enlightened state. Let's learn how he did it. So they ask him to explain it. And usually he's not very good at explaining it because he's much more interested in having that enlightened experience. So he, he tries to explain it in words that don't necessarily work or connect. And then his followers try to do that. And a lot of them are really good because being in the presence of that spirituality is really uplifting. And then they try to replicate and they teach more people and more people. And the farther they get away from the avatar, the more it becomes, as you were speaking before the break, it's more just about the rules and you do it this way. And it becomes interpersonal organizations and developmental dynamics until suddenly you just mm -hmm. got a 501c3. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and my contention is you can make anything spiritual. You can do anything. And when, and that's one of the best things about new thought is the foundational concept is that there is only God. There is only that one infinite power and presence in life, and it's sharing itself as all sorts of different stuff, including each of us. And the situation is rigged, so we forget that, and we forget it really easily, and we think that we're separate from that oneness, that we are somehow apart from God, that we are disconnected, that we are on our own, and that we don't deserve the good that we see around us. The whole teaching is about reminding ourselves the truth that there is that one and we're part of it. There's one creative power and we're using it and we are able to create the experience that we're having in life the same way that God, the divine, the infinite created everything. So that's kind of fundamental to it. Is there a religion that's required or involved there? There's a lot of technique. There's a lot of practices that we go through because we get wrapped up in the stuff that's going on. We get victimized, especially when we're younger, we start to believe things that weren't true. And then there's the whole practice of unwrapping and unwinding and unpacking that so that we can get back to the truth that we started with, that we're divine in our nature and that we have access to all this potential. And it sounds like a lot. Really, it resonated when you said we have to remind ourselves and 
we really, really do have to remind ourselves. As I was doing the work for the doctorate, which I thought I wasn't going to talk about, but I've been living... <laughs> I've been living it. So it's not very much else that I can think of right now until I get past it a little bit. But I enjoyed the studies of different theisms, how different ways of looking at God. And I always, always believed that it was necessary to do that study, right? Even long before, I mean, I always believed that it was necessary. So that's why I enjoyed this part so much. That's part of the reminding because you can fall into different camps, you know, and it's a good thing to know where you stand, what you really is right or wrong, you know, because I was for years, I taught there was a certain way you look at God, period. That's it. And then I looked at other ways. And I thought, you know what? Everybody is different. People are different. Even though you're born in the same house, same families and all that, we have different inclinations. We have different things that we like, things that appeal to us, proclivities and all of that kind of thing. Is there a God for that? Certainly the one, you know, (laughs) monolithic God that's out there, the classical God who's out there and we're here, that's not the one for that. So it's a good idea to maybe open yourself up to how God might be expressed in other ways, you know, stop thinking of them as labels and think of them as ways God is expressing God's self to us in a way that works for me. And then there's another way that God expresses that works for somebody else, you know, and I just felt like I was really privileged to be able to study the different ways So when we're talking, I can know where you are. Yeah. You've reminded me back in the 80s, probably, when I was doing radio morning shows and being zany, we'd do a bit that ended the show with some sort of a pithy saying or sarcastic reminder or something. And one of them I started using as my email signature because it was just so appropriate. And then I got into the New Thought teaching and it means something completely different. So I'm continuing to use it. And just by coincidence, it happens to be printed on my T-shirt, which is out of camera You're range unique. now. Go ahead and just like everyone that. else, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's it. And it is our uniqueness and our individuality mm-hmm. that gives spice to life. That gives the variety to creation. We are not uniform. We are unique, but we are all the same in that we are at our essence that divinity mm-hmm. individualized mm-hmm. and. Because we are unique, we're reflective, I think, a God that has more than one facet or dimension or reality or face, if you want to use that term. That's a God, a perspective that I can appreciate. Because if I have to tell you that it's just this one God and you chew gum, and that's going to cause you to you know, have some serious problems in the afterlife... <laughs> who wants to serve or who wants to be a part of a God family like that? I mean, so when I did internet radio before I knew anything about what it was, I was doing it in 2007 and my audience was largely international and I couldn't figure out why, because people from other places thought differently. And I was talking about things that resonated or speaking in a way that resonated with people in other places. 
So I didn't have very much from my own camp. <laughs> I went into it thinking like, I'm just going to have a radio show too, because I'd done radio, terrestrial radio also. But I met so many new people. And I said that to say, churches are empty and emptying because of that, because we refuse to show the multifacets of God. Insist, insist that God be this. And, you know, how are you going to be like a God that is so unlike anything that you understand or feel or know? I think those are the missing links. That's that bridge I was talking about. You know, I did, I'll say this real quickly. I referred to the Christ mind, you know, which has nothing to do with Jesus, but we connect it. And in church, you want people to be Christ-like. You want people to be like Jesus because you're putting that. But yet Jesus is, on that image is unattainable, you know? So how can I find, I follow someone who is unattainable? Do you know what I mean? He's 100% man and 100% God, but you only want to see him this way. I can't be like somebody that's impossible for me to be like, you know? So listen, I'm tired of this. And so people say, I'm not going to church anymore, right? I'm getting <laughs> smacked for everything I do. There's a standard that's unrealistic. And you put a guy up here and say, this is the standard. I can't be like that. So there's something wrong with the translation, I think. Oh, yeah. And if you could be like that, then people would find that to be challenging or difficult as well. Because wait, wait, who, are you, who are you to all get of that, that close? You know, all, all that happens. So. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, to loop back on spiritual but not religious, I completely understand why churches are emptying out and people are turning away from traditional religion or their religion of origin and looking for spirituality because there's something that's calling to them because they can get the experience that when they're on the yoga mat, they're feeling that connection. When they're doing a meditation or when they're walking in nature and they've learned something about mindfulness, that they feel that inherent connection with that divine presence within. Mm -hmm. And... That's really powerful. You get into new thought. There is a huge hunk of authority and accountability that's there. Yes, you can create anything you want in your life. And whatever is in your life right now has been created by what you brought about previously. And people don't want to hear that. Like, Wait, what do you mean? It's No, I'm being punished by God. <laughs> God's going to have to save me. I don't have, I can't lift that. <laughs> and I, I don't have the discipline to learn how. So that is, in a lot of ways, keeping people from taking that next step into their spiritual development and their growth, because it's scary. It's scary. What do you mean? It's what do you mean? You I created. But it, it, you know, it, to me, that. it goes back to what you want. It depends on what you want. You know, we laughed when I said, "Well, how's that working out for you?" But that's a serious question, right? <laughs> how's it working out for you? If it's not working, you're going to keep on doing it right? That definition of continuing to do the same thing and expect to get a result, different result. That's insane. So yeah. So what are you that insane? insanity itself. Or, it's like, where are we going from here? Well, no, that's not a warm, fuzzy well, question. You know, like, oh, I told <laughs> you, you I had only three. <laughs> three warm fuzzies. You don't have no. that three warm no, fuzzies. Well, I only got a and half of them because my kids fine. got the rest of That's them, fine. So. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do another break and then we will do a prayer. 
and the prayer will be about connecting with the divinity within. Get inspiration in an instant. God calls are the gentle and uplifting moment of truth to help you remember that the bright light of God's love is shining right now as you. It's your God call with Reverend Bill. Start your two-week free trial today and you'll get a phone call four times a week from Reverend Bill with an uplifting half-minute message filled with insight, wisdom, story, and fun. Let your light shine. You can answer the call to listen to it live or let it go to voicemail so you can hear it later. After the free trial, your subscription is just $5.95 a month. The details are at godcall.org. God calls are disruptive, intentionally. Whenever you write something, put on a gold star. They take you away from your routine to remind you about the truth of who you really are. They come at random times between 8.15 a.m. and 6 p.m., so you won't be expecting them. And somehow, the message is exactly what you need to hear at the time. Magic is loose in the world. It's a moment of motivation in the middle of your day. Find out more and start your two-week free trial now. Welcome back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni. We've had a great talk. Yeah, spiritual or religious, or spiritual but not religious, SBNR, as people are going through their transformation. And when we let loose our tension or our, our grip on single religion, and we open up to the possibility that maybe the other ones had something going on, then we invite in a whole bunch of richness. When we have a religion of our own, then the other religions become other. Mm -hmm. People who follow other religions become them. And when, you know, if we're growing up in Christianity, then, you know, are we going to read the Quran? Are we, <laughs> do we dip back into the Old Testament and get involved in the celebrations and holidays that Jesus had when he was growing up? What about all those gods in Hinduism? And how does that all fit together? And one of the things that I say in the classes is that what we want to do is, is take the best from all of the religions. They all have something wonderful to offer. And in fact, they all offer a rich, wonderful community and lifestyle where you can follow the religion and that's becomes a defining factor of who you are. But let's say you could meditate like Buddha and pray like Muhammad and love like Jesus and believe like Moses and, 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 and let's get all of that. Let's take all of that. And it's not that, you know, if oh, I'm not following, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not a Buddhist, so I can't meditate. Yeah, you can. But, you know, sitting under that Bodhi tree for a long, long time, that was, that was a serious meditation. And perhaps we can learn something from that and from people who spend a lot of time and focus on meditating. There's something in all of them. So let's do a prayer on that. Instead of following a particular religion or path or something that has been prescribed for us, Let's open ourselves to the awareness of the divinity within. Because the fundamental belief that we have in new thought is that there is one. One creative power, one divine presence, one source of everything. We call it God. We call it nature. We call it spirit. We call it the creator. It doesn't matter what we call it. It doesn't matter what its name is. It is that one which in the beginning was all there is. That one divine power and presence, that one infinite potential and an idea an intentionality for this manifest universe to come into being. And it could be the story that's in the beginning of 
Genesis, or it could be the story that the scientists tell about the Big Bang, of being able to trace back 14 point something billion years to the singularity that exploded and began rearranging and shaping itself into everything that exists, stars and galaxies and planets and people and particles and all of it. There is one. It is that one story, that one divine presence that shares itself through and as and in every part of its creation. Everything is that one expressed in a unique and specific and particular way. So if that's true of everything in the universe, that's true of me and each one within the sound of my voice. Each of us, an individualization of that divine presence showing up in our own unique way. And so that infinite creative power, that divine intelligence that's available, that exists everywhere, that is part of that creation, that's available to us now to the extent that we can open ourselves to the awareness of that divinity within, to the creative power that is inherent in us. We're able to open to it and invite it to create something new and wonderful for us. So what I'm inviting now is an even deeper awareness of that divine power and presence, an even deeper understanding of the divine good that is the truth of our nature, the ability to speak from that authentic self with all of the creative power that exists everywhere in the universe to create something new and wonderful. I am inviting joy and harmony. I am inviting health and vitality. I am inviting peace and serenity. I am inviting joy and possibility. I am inviting opportunity and creativity. I am inviting prosperity and richness. I am inviting love and connection for each of us individually, for all of us together, opening up the channel through which that good can flow. And knowing without any question that that creative law that has created everything is creating this. It's still active. It's always active. And so I know that each of us is even more aware of the divinity within us and is harnessing that divine power and presence to create something new and wonderful. This is already underway. It's already taking place for and through and as and in and with each of us and is showing up in different ways for all of us. And it's what we describe as good and more good and more good and more good and continues. I'm so grateful for this. I'm grateful for the awareness of this process. I'm grateful for the willingness of each one to put down doing the same old things so we can open to a new possibility. With gratitude for all of this good, I speak this word and I release it into that creative law. That one that has always said yes, that is once again saying yes. I let it be and I know it's so. And so it is. Practical Prayer Podcast with Reverend Bill Marcioni and Carol Lawrence is a production of BeTheLight.com. Be-the-light.com. Where you can find more information about practical prayer for real results. Our theme is by Music of Wisdom. You can learn about the spiritual community of New Thought Philadelphia with daily guided meditations, weekly celebrations of spirit, and Reverend Bill's classes in practical spirituality at NewThoughtPhilly.org. This podcast is supported by listeners like you. We're grateful for your tax-deductible donation at newthoughtphilly.org 
or the link in the episode description.